In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. That I'm worried even now that when I walk into a room like we had in our last conversation, I'm not going to identify as, hi, my name is Ray, I'm a Marine, what do you do? It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena Podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and if you heard the deep baritone voice behind me, that is our producer, co-host, and good friend, Dale Culver. How you doing, man? Doing great. Sweet. Well, hey, I'll tell you what. I am, I'm really excited about today. We got a guy on. He's 27 years old. He just got promoted to lieutenant in the Marines. As I'm looking at him on the screen, he's in full fatigues right now, uh, all the way out in Florida, I think, right now, right? Florida. That's correct. And, uh, and I, I just love – he has a podcast right now where he's targeting men that are like under 30 – and he's just killing it. And I got to have the privilege to be on his podcast. And I'm really excited about that. And and one of the reasons why I love getting younger guys on, I mean, when I was 27 years old, I didn't consider myself younger. But when I'm 53 and he could have been my son, I'm like, oh, this guy's younger. And I love getting these guys on the show because we have several values as an organization. And we're not going to have a man word today, guys, because I want to talk about this because people ask, you know, well, what's the men in the arena? What are you guys about? Who are you guys? Well, we're about a lot of things that you can find out on our website at menarena.org. But the two of two of our values, we have seven things we really value strongly. Two of them I want to share. Uh, the first one is collaboration versus competition. A lot of organizations, in fact, I had a guy who rejected me onto his podcast. I said, "Hey, I've got a book I wrote," and he's like, "Uh, no, I'm good, bro." And I'm like, "Oh, we're not competition. You're not even a Christian." So anyway, uh, but you know, we are all about collaboration. So we, instead of us competing with other ministries out there, and we have literally interviewed hundreds of different men in ministry to men, so we can either see ourselves as competitors against them, or as followers of Jesus, we can see ourselves as collaborators with them. So we want to collaborate. So we want to take uh, Rain. Ray has a podcast called, it's a YouTube podcast called Rain in Life, and it's for men. And we want to collaborate with him. We want to put him on our shoulders. We want to, we want to elevate what he's doing, and we want to bless it. We don't want to compete against it because that's what we do as followers of Jesus. The second thing I want to say, 
one of our values is we are intergenerational versus multi-generational. Let me explain. Multi-generational ministry is very silo-focused. This is really prevalent in the megachurch movement. So you have a a youth pastor who has his youth silo, and you have a a senior adults pastor with their senior silo. You have a children's pastor with children's silo. So you have all these silos. Uh, This is multi-generational ministry where you have basically mutually exclusive ministries all around one campus. We are intergenerational, which means we want to we want to mesh the generations together. So we don't want to take the under 30s and go, okay, you're millennials, you're over here, and take the busters and go, you're busters, and put them over here, and take the boomers and put them over here, and put the silents, who are rapidly going silent, they're all dying, over here. We want to collaborate because what I believe, and I don't, Dale, what do you think about this? I believe that you know when you listen to Ray, guys, you're going to know this guy's full of passion. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have the experience that we have as 53, 50 something year old men, but he has a passion. Well, his passion inspires me. But my hope is that my wisdom and my knowledge equips and empowers him. So while he's inspiring me to press on as an older guy with less energy, he, I am in turn giving him wisdom that he needs to grow his thing. And so we collaborate because we're intergenerational. And when we launch our virtual teams that are launching this fall, when we launch our real life, our real life teams that are going all over the country and the world. We want guys to choose men that that represent all generations, because that's so vital in helping us older guys finish strong, and it's it's so vital in preventing the younger guys from finishing wrong. And so exactly. that's why we've got, so I'm really excited to get my new friend Ray De La Nuez. Is that right? Ooh, that was good. Yeah, that De was La, really yeah, good. Yeah, I, I had I just the Nuez got me a little bit, but I never try it again. So, yeah, it, Ray. <laughs> so Ray of the what? What's Nuez mean? De La Nuez means of the nut. Uh, de la well, hey, if it makes you feel any better, Ra- Ra- Ramos means branches. So between you and I, we get the branch yeah, yeah, and the nuts. That's really good. De la Nuez, de la of, the, of the nut. Is there, a, is there a story behind that? You know what? I always make it up that my uh, great-great-grandfather was a nut farmer in uh, Spain, but that's really not the case. I just <laughs> a little bit more important. <laughs> oh, you! I'll tell you what, dude. You can make up some stories there. But hey, hey, Ray is uh, 27 years old. For the last eight years, he's been a Marine. He recently has been promoted to lieutenant, and he is an airborne jump master and martial arts instructor. Uh, he lives in Port Orange, Florida with his beautiful wife, Natasha. They've been married for six years, have three children, and he is the founder of the YouTube podcast, Reign in Life. It's for men, and he has a passion to see men rise up and faithfully understand their identities in Christ. He's also passionate about engaging men where they are, empowering them with the truth about their adoption as sons of God and encouraging them in their walk with Christ. That's pretty flippin' impressive for a guy who's right in the middle of the stress bubble, and really excited to have him on. So, Ray, welcome on the show, my friend. It's such a pleasure to be here, man. I've been listening for a while now, and just to be on this side of it, I'm telling you, today I was being bombarded with attacks of feeling inadequate, feeling uh, fearful of not knowing what I even have to offer. But hearing your introduction, man, it really does encourage me, and I really appreciate that. Man, you got a ton to offer. We're just really excited to have you on the show, man, and and uh, and just hear what you have to say and, and uh, to see the dreams that lie ahead of you and 
And uh, you know what? We're we're just gonna, tell, do do me this right now. Do me a favor. Why don't you give us a, about five minutes and share with our audience a little bit more about yourself, your story, things you enjoy, hobbies, personal interests, whatever you think would be pertinent for our guys. All right. It all started in 1991. No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> I uh, I was born and raised in Dominican Republic um, in a little shack with a tin roof. I was raised in in poverty, and uh, that would have been kind of what I was going to be confined to if it wasn't for my stepfather. He came along and he uh, married my mother, brought us here to America when I was seven years old. And from there, um, I, I lived in a small town in New Jersey, got to enjoy um, a lot of uh, the privileges that America has to offer. And you know what? When I was 18, I was finally able to to kind of look back at my life and think about all of the things that I saw missing. So being raised in, in the Dominican Republic, um, I was going to be a statistic or part of the statistic of people that were going to be in a household without a father. And that was actually the case. Wow. Uh, my father had um, six different women, 11 children. I was just one of them. I was just a deposit in somebody's, uh, in somebody's uteral walls, you know? So I was... Um, actually found out later on in life that my father just worked down the street from my house and I barely saw him. He was just a figure in my mind that was this, uh, this mighty man that I wanted to be like, aspired to be like, he was a mechanic, really worked well with his hand. Um, and, you know, I, I remember feeling the hurts of not having a father along. And again, this is when I was um, 18, 19 years old, as I'm just reflecting back. And I remember then growing up, um, in New Jersey and thinking, well, now I have a father who lives in the same household as me. And unfortunately, my stepfather did not have a father who taught him to be emotionally present, uh, to be available. So, you know, providing was his way of, of giving to us and of being there, being a father. And I don't blame him for that. I totally understand that there's a generation of men that lost the way, that lost yeah. um, the fact that there's more to just providing and putting food on the table. Um, so I actually... And doing that reflection, I figured, you know, I actually was looking for men in every single area of my life. I quickly found something that I was good at, and I was just going to look for attention. And that's exactly what I did. Everywhere that I went, uh, whether it was my friends or my coaches, I was always looking for a father figure. I was always looking for somebody to like me. Mm. I ended up being really good at wrestling. Um, and that was something that became part of my identity. And then some women thought I was good looking. And then that became a huge part of my identity. Uh, where I was aspiring to be like my father, aspiring to be like the men in my family. Uh, so back to, I'm 18, 19 years old, and I'm looking back at all of this baggage, and I'm thinking, well, you know, that was crappy. So uh, let me try to figure out this man thing by myself. So I joined the Marine Corps, because, right, that, what better thing to make you uh, aware of your masculinity than joining the toughest branch, the Marine Corps? And you know what, Jim, I... Uh, I became fully aware of the fact that I was looking in the wrong places for my masculinity when I was in a car after I, I bought my first shotgun. Um, I had my wife in the front seat. She stayed in the car. I came back out and then she asked me, how do you feel? What's going on? I, you know, this is your first gun. Um, and I just started to cry, man. I just <laughs> cried. I, I literally here, there I was a 21 year old Marine um, leader of Marines, you know, at this point, I have a couple things underneath my belt, married and everything. And I'm just weeping at the fact that I still feel like an unfinished, um, unguided man. And, 
Luckily, best thing that happened to me, Jim, I'm not kidding, my wife left me. She said, I'm done. There's no way I can continue to live here with a man who's um, has all these thoughts coming to his mind, that has all this stuff going on, all this baggage, everything that you're not dealing with. And that forced me, again, um, to seek somebody to teach me to be a man, to teach me masculinity. And at that point, the Lord stepped in and gave me the right man. Um, I've been under the guidance and leadership of my mentor for the last six years, seven years now, and um, saved my marriage, um, brought me into the light, showed me what it is to be a man, and showed me a lot of my identity. So fast forward, now I'm 27 years old looking down back at the trajectory of, of, of um, or looking back at the topography that I have crossed in the last um, seven years or so of being, uh, being uh, active duty and everything. And I just see the fact that the Lord was so good to send some men into my life to guide me the right way, to give the things that I was looking for as a child at, the, at those critical moments before I was becoming a father, as I was becoming a father, being a better husband, um, and now being a better leader be honest so um that's it for me right there man I, I i go ahead so so natasha left you she did she did i'm glad you caught on to that so 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 <laughs> hold on a second so how long before she came back and what was the catalyst that drove her back so she left um she threatened to leave for probably over six months we were already at a marriage counseling uh you know, intensive four months into marriage. There was just too much baggage that, that we brought on and that I brought into the marriage. Um, so we were probably six months married when she left. She left for about a month and she came back only because she saw that I was dedicated to change. At that point, that was the catalyst that threw me into, the, into uh, humility um, to pursue men and in, in, in this mentoring uh, and, and a right relationship to sit at the feet of men and learn. And so I was reaching out to pastors. I, I reached out to my mentor, somebody that I found online in, a, in another men's ministry website. He was just somebody that, you know, was there available for personal counseling. And I hit him up and at 11 o'clock at night, he answered my phone call. And I'm not kidding. Since then, we're still uh, have a great relationship and still growing. Oh, wow. So who is the man and what is the organization? So the organization was uh, Purity Pursuit. It was uh, with a church up in Redding, California. And uh, the man's name is Andy Flaherty. It's my, uh, my mentor, my pal. Wow. Uh, wow. Are, now, are they attached to Bethel in Redding? Or? Uh, yes. Yes, it was. It was in the, in the Bethel church. It was, one, it was their men's uh, purity group. And he no longer lived there, but his stuff was still on the website. He actually lived in, in North Carolina at that point, but he still answered that phone call. That's awesome. That's so cool, man. So, so you and I both agree on this, this, uh, Ray, that a male and a man are different. Absolutely. So we agree on that. So Natasha leaves you. She comes back. You're already a Marine. You have your car, you own a gun. That's right. (laughs) So (laughs) when, when is, when is the moment in time that you would say you became a man? When did you realize, you know what? I'm a man. Uh, after doing some personal counseling with my mentor and just kind of meeting week after week, um, I allowed myself to just sit still and hear the voice of the Lord speaking to my heart and telling me, you're a good son. You're a good son. Mm. And in that moment, I stopped believing 
that I was um, just a dude placed on this world to go chase after women, um, that I was gonna be bound to continuously think about pornographic images and think about women in inappropriate ways. And when I heard the Lord telling me my identity, I realized, okay, there's, there's more to me than what the enemy is trying to say to me. So you said Andy showed you, he, Angie sat you down and taught you about manhood. He showed you what it meant to be a man. So my question that I, that I always ask is how did he do that? How did he, how did he teach you? You know, you guys are not even face to face. You're not in the same room. How did he do that? Was there, was there a method he used? Was there a, a, a book you read? How did he do it? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I love the fact that you, you guys just started to kind of change up your website and everything that you're doing and include that virtual uh, arena yeah. because you, we did it all virtually. We sat down consistently week after week, just unpacking. And I filled a journal and, and almost an entire journal with just stuff that he was giving me, truths that he was giving me. And really what it was, Jim, is I could describe it as this. I would pick a box up from my life. I would sit down in front of a screen with him, unpack everything in that box and allow him not to tell me what was right or wrong, but to, to point to the spirit and allow me to see, hey, this is what the Lord is saying about this. Hey, you should seek the Lord out in this, giving me homework, being really intentional with me. Um, also uplifting me. You know, sometimes men just need to hear, you're a good man. Yeah. And I believe in you. Him saying that to me is, is enough to just break off generations upon generations of, of the feeling of inadequacy that was going on inside of me that I was looking for somewhere else. Um, so that positive role model, uh, role modeling as well is, is another thing that really did it. He was able, able to show me how to work through conflict, how it is that you work through uh, in a disagreement with your wife. He was able to sit me down, Jim, and tell me, you know, you're not acting um, the way that you ought to in this situation, and, and you're wrong in this. And sometimes we're a little bit too scared to offend people, but we need people in our lives to tell us, hey, buddy, you're going down the wrong track. You know, and those, are our, those are our guardrails and things that keep us on the yeah, road. Yeah, well, and you know what else? It's so important. You know, you said that you were one of 11 children and your siblings come from a total of six women. That's correct. And so your dad was a, a guy that you recognized, but he was not a father. How important is how important is it for a man to say to a younger man, I'm proud of you? You know, Jim, I'll, I'll answer that this way. Um when I grab my son and I choose to be intentional about grabbing his face because he's four years old, so he's, he can't sit still for very long and have him look me in the eyes and tell him, Gianni, I am so proud of you. When I see the glow on his face, when I see the smile that comes on and how he lunges forward at me, that tells me a lot. From a four-year-old, I'm able to see the heart attitude that comes from a grown man when he hears that. Mm. So we might not lunge at the person and we might not look at them with that deep smile, but trust me in the spirit, that is what's happening. We are being fed. We're being given truth. And the Lord, the spirit is actually speaking through that man. That's, that's uh, delivering that word. You know, it's interesting. I, I keep going back to an epiphany I had about a year ago with Matthew 17, where, where, uh, you know, three times in the new Testament, the father speaks audibly, right? Two yes. of those times he says the same thing. And he says those things of Jesus. And I think, 
I think about this, I think these are unconditional gifts we as men need to give to those guys who are younger than us. He said, this is my son, who I love, and him I am well pleased. In other words, you belong to me, I love you unconditionally, and then taking those moments to say, I'm proud of you. And that's what he said. He Jesus is on his way to the cross, and so God was saying, I am well pleased with what you've done. I think those are so important. I'd rather have I'd rather have my wife tell me she's proud of me and she respects me than have her tell me she loves me. You know, I'd rather have a man tell me he respects me than I love you, bro. That doesn't mean anything to me, but I respect you, bro, or I'm proud of you. Those are so deeply needed. So, And you did not have that, but you found that in your mentor. That's correct. Man, that's so cool. So you talked about understanding your identity. You've you've talked about one of the things that's really important to you and your in your mission statement here is to to rise up a man who men who understand their identities in Christ. So yes. I'm going to throw you into our rapid fire round. And and I had to laugh at this one. I'm I'm going to call this round the how do you identify round. <laughs> I love it. But trust me, it won't, it won't be dangerous. It won't be dangerous. Okay. So I've taken some things about you and your podcast and the things that I've heard you say, and I've uh, got five words. They all start with the letter M, and I want you to I want you to tell me what they mean to you is in regards to your identity as a man. Are, ready? Are you ready? Okay. First one it. is man. Man. Just man. Who I am today. Who I finally am. Uh, who I identify as because I was able to look into the eyes of the Father who has been calling out since the beginning of time to a, to a people saying, follow me, this is the way, and I am your God, I'm your Father, and I love you. And finally, after I saw that, and I, and I stood there and was able to, uh, to believe it, right, to have the faith to believe it, I can now identify as a man. That's awesome. Second word, Messiah. <sighs> I just my first the first thing that comes to my mind, man, is my Jesus, my my wonderful Savior. The the reason why I stand in this rightful relationship with the Lord, and, and I'm just as I was reading this morning, I was going through uh, Romans five, got to mm. you know verse seventeen, and that's exactly why I even took on the name Reign in Life, and it's that same that verse of those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness righteousness will reign in life through the one. Jesus Christ, mm. the Messiah. And so I can reign in life. I stand here as a son and heir with Christ because of the Messiah. See, that's so important that we know that as guys. That we're not we don't we don't identify based on our career. We identify based on who we are in Jesus, which is yes. really the great tragedy of those men listening right now who are not following Jesus actively. They're identifying on lesser things. They're identifying in things that will only take them so far. They'll yes. never reach their full potential because their full potential is only found in the God who created them, made them, and without radical devotion to Him, we can never understand what that is. So, so second, Absolutely. so th- third word, married, Mary? married, married, married. Okay, well, are we? Are they just? I'm sorry. Did you say married? Married, like as in a wife. <laughs> Got it. Uh well. Married? When I when I first got married, what was that movie? What was that movie? Mowage. The Mowage for the Princess Bride. Did you ever see that? No, I have not. Oh, you've got to see it. (laughs) Mowage, Mowage. Sorry, man. Sorry, I reverted back to something that wasn't pretty. All is well. (laughs) Married. Go ahead. When I finally got married, I thought everything was going to get better, Jim. 
Ah. I thought that I finally got the potion, the magic solution, whatever it was to make all of the desires for pornography, all of the lust, all of the checking out women, all of the sleeping around. It was going to, all of those desires were finally going to leave my life because I brought a beautiful blonde hair, blue eyed woman into my, into my life. And, and I was going to, I wasn't going to need anything more. And, uh, I'll tell you what, that's, that wasn't the case. <laughs> no, it just it, makes your problems. It makes your problems. It just highlighted it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just exposes it because now you've got somebody telling you all the things that, uh, that, you know, that are going wrong in your life because she wants oh, yeah. the best in you. And when she sees that you're not your best version, they can't, she, she can't handle that because she loves you so much. That's right. And I, I just want to say shout out to my wife, hashtag strong wife, because I believe that when a man has a strong wife and I believe that, Jim, you have this and you will agree yep. with me. She's able to stand there and not take your crap. She's going to tell yep. you, hey, dude, <laughs> you need to fix this. And this is what's going on. And um, I, I just appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that I did marry a strong woman who was able to call me out on my bull crap. You know what? There's a phrase out there that's kind of derogatory. It says, happy wife, happy life. Yes. And I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that to strong wife, strong life. I like because that. I'll tell you, I weak women that. can just, Hey, I'm, I'll tell you what, you are hurting men. Yes. We need strong and die, you know, cause that a woman who is strong can love through the pain. She can love her man through the brokenness. She can call him out when nobody else will. I mean, right. we need strong women I, that this movement is very much pro women because we need strong women. My wife uh, just became a flight attendant. And we were sitting there, I don't know where we were, we were snuggling or something. And she said, you know what I wish I could do? I, sh I wish I could actually be a pilot. And I'm like, you know what? You would crush it. Go for it. Go be a pilot. You know, and she's like, what? And I'm like, heck yes. If that's, that's your awesome. dream, go for it. You know, whatever yes. it takes. Uh, we just have to empower our wives and love them and, and help them and give them security. And, and, uh, and they need to be strong for us because we need yes. a strong woman. Otherwise, we're, men will fall apart. I, yes. I really believe that. Absolutely. So I was just finished. I just finished a book about uh, Crazy Horse, and it lightly talked about the women in the Lakota culture, and they look at women as being a crucial part of the development of a man and a warrior because they look at the woman as the one who's instilling those basic values of courage and honor inside of a child before he reaches the age where now he follows his father and becomes that warrior. So, I, and I absolutely agree with that portion of, of their. Um, of their beliefs. So the next M is Marine. Mm. What flows through my blood. <laughs> As he leans into the camera. <laughs> That's right. But I have to deepen my voice a little bit too, to say it. Yeah. Marine. Oh man. Um, the few, the proud. And, and I will say that I am proud to be in this organization. I'm proud to, to have made it to where I am today. Uh, eight years of enlisted and now as an officer serving, um, you know, at least four more. Um, toughest branch. Uh, I can make this into a recruiting call, but I'm not going to. Uh, it's going to be one of the, it really was the thing that helped define me um, in, in a way that I'll, I will say that turned holy. Um, there were certain things that mm. I did in the Marine Corps that I needed to do just to, to show myself that, you know what, I, I do have this within me. I feel like every man comes with this question um, and, and, and it's the question of, do I have what it takes? Yeah. Do I have what it takes to do this, to conquer, to pursue, to hunt, to chase? Um, I feel like the, the Lord, I'm allowing the Lord to father me 
and allowing other men to come into my life. Mind you, most of my mentors are not in the military. Um, it has helped me define those things and, and be able to strengthen my, uh, my identity. And I will say this, Jim, and, and I know that you were giving me compliments before about uh, knowing and understanding that it's all about my identity, but I am preparing myself even now for what might happen in four years, because I know that sometimes I could get a little bit too attached to that title. Yeah, I could get too attached yeah. that I'm, I'm worried even now that when I walk into a room like we had in our last conversation, I'm not going to identify as, hi, my name is Ray. I'm a Marine. What do you do? Um, and that, that is a little worrisome. It's our default setting, I think. And so, you know, and it's interesting. John Eldridge, in his book, Wild at Heart, said every man or every boy grows up into a man asking this question, do I have what it takes? Yes. So uh, I, that is a true statement. Do I have what it takes? Yeah. And so I want to, my last M is, is something that I sensed, Ray, is a chip on your shoulder. And uh, you may not know what that is, but I sense this word is a chip on your shoulder. So I wanted you to talk about this identifying word for you, millennial. Ooh, why'd you have to go there? <laughs> well, you went there. I, it was your bio. <laughs> because, you, so so first of all, let me let me do this. What is a, what age is a millennial? Is it thirty down, thirty four down? It's a, it's like thirty four down or something like that. I would say right now it's it's in the thirty and then down. Okay, so but so I, I, now in those gray areas kind of still come in. You know, a thirty three year old is still considered a millennial, and then you know there's kind of that little break. But my pastor just turned thirty, and he considers himself a millennial for sure. Yes. So yes, I, so thirty and below. So so talk to me about that word and how you identify with it. You know, I understand that I am considered a millennial and um, I want to represent uh, this generation so that we can impact the next. I want to do that without having uh, people look at me with uh, scoffing looks or, or, or just kind of mocking. And I think that's what ends up happening a lot when people think about the millennials. Uh, they think we're, we have it too good. They think we haven't gone through enough or we haven't uh, experienced hardship or we you know, Amazon Prime has made us weak. Um, and though some, <laughs> some of those things are true, I think that there, there has been a divide um, between the millennial man, the young yuppie, I, I would say, and the men um, just before, before that, that uh, generation where they're no longer connecting in a way that is, is positive, that is edifying. Um, you might even find some of the competition there. The fact, Jim, that that you are allowing me on this podcast and that you everything that you said in the beginning of the podcast about collaborating and, and bringing me on and uh, giving me that wisdom and exposing me to wisdom, allowing me to sit at your feet, that's what we need. We need this connection between millennials and every generation before and after that is, that is alive and will be alive to, to be strong and for there not to be a divide. And I don't pay attention to any of the statistics that are coming out about millennials are leaving the church faster than any other generation, uh, about millennials wanting to look for religion elsewhere. I, I don't pay attention to that. I think we're, we're trying to, um, we're trying to maybe pick at a scab instead of allowing this thing to heal and then to unite the body as it's supposed to. Um, so I, proudly represent millennial men and, and invite them to come along with me. Hey, we are going to tackle this thing together uh, with other men at, from any generation. And we're going to do this the right way. We're not going to allow a certain, um, a bad connotation to be attached to the word millennial. 
Yeah, and you know what's funny, man? I, so here's some wisdom I've learned. <laughs> Every generation has a, a level of despise, consternation for the generation below them. And every wow. generation has a little bit of bitterness and anger towards the generation above them. For example, uh, I'm a baby buster, also called a Gen Xer. I yes. personally am a little embittered to the boomers because, you know, the 70s, they were swinging and doing drugs and the divorce rate skyrocketed. I'm a child of a divorce. And uh, right. so I, I hold on to some wounds there that I don't sure. hold on to them, but I've, I, that generation, and it was all about workaholism. And so they passed them the latch key kids. So we were the kids that mom and dad yes. weren't around. We came home to nobody. And so we, so we have that going for us. So my generation, so we look at the boomers that way, but when we look down at the millennials, what we fail to realize as a buster generation who parented the millennials, yes, it's our generation that invented the participation trophy. It's our generation that, that was coined the name helicopter mom or bulldozer dad. So it's right. our generation that is to blame for everything bad about the millennials. Yes. And everything good as well. But so we've got to be really careful that as we go through these generations, we don't need to keep score. It's nothing is new under the sun. Uh, right. There's always some resentment towards the generation. Now, another thing we need to realize also is. Who's taking the jobs from the baby boomers who are getting older? It's the busters. Right. Who will take the jobs from the busters as we get older? It's the millennials. Right. And so there's all, always this competition, I guess, so to speak. And what you're saying is let's not identify with our ages. Let's identify with who we are in Christ. Let's identify with a kingdom mission. That's right. And let's collaborate. And That's so right. maybe, maybe I don't. You know, I didn't, you know, I grew up, you know, reading the Rand McNally roadmap where you're talking to Siri, you know, that's okay. We're getting it done. Yeah. It's just, albeit differently. So, no, I appreciate that, man. So, uh, you know, you, you know, your generation seems to have gotten a bad rep, but again, it's our generation who should be asking your generation uh, to for forgiveness for that. And so how, how do you see yeah. millennials being assaulted? Do you see that regularly? You know what? I wanted to add this, Jim, and I think our assault a lot of times doesn't come directly from the, the generation before us. Um, and, and here's why. The real assault. Uh -huh. The fact that we have technology, we have things that made us different from the previous re re uh, generation. So yeah. imagine this. There's, a gen there's now these uh, these millennials who are walking around with a phone attached to them the entire day, right? We are being bombarded with things that the previous generation wasn't bombarded with, right? I, I can't look anything up as a whole, as a, a man who's devoted to God, I can't search up a tattoo anymore. I, I literally will not search up the word tattoo because I know that I'm going to see a breast or I'm going to see some inappropriate part of a woman. And that's uh, just what yeah, happens. Yeah. You know, so I think we're just so exposed to things right now that the previous generation hasn't been. Um, we even, you know, there's the problem that I see with uh, tenacity, grit, and being able to put things off, being able to wait, right? So now, since that is being thrown at us, since that's happening to us, I think that the best thing would be for the generation before us or just for fathers to step up and say, hey, let's walk through this together Instead of scoffing at you, let's uh, figure this thing out together right now so that you aren't being torn down by it. 
so that you aren't being changed by it for the worse because people are just looking from the outside and saying, how can they do that? Look at them. They, and, and I have done this, just kind of sat in a classroom and looked around and seen that every single uh, student has a, their face either in a book, I'm sorry, in a, in a MacBook, an iPad, or an iPhone. And it's crazy because now we're not talking. Now we're not dialoguing. I can't walk into a uh, doctor's office and speak to anybody because nobody's aware. Nobody's paying attention. Mm. And I see that as wrong, right? I'm in this generation, but I see it as wrong. But I think with a lot of things, instead of looking at it and saying, how could they, or look at this, I think it's just better to show us the way, you know, here, this is the way you should walk. Um, you know, follow the ancient roads, come with me. Yeah. I mean, you, you said ancient roads, Isaiah thirty twenty one says uh, of God, you know, then you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walking it. And I think you're right. Yes. And again, again, my head's in a phone just as much, probably as many of you guys, because uh, it's our generation who's passed that down, right? <laughs> but we're the ones pointing the finger. So say, hey, Rain, you know, tell, t- Ray, tell us about the podcast. So you have Rain in Life. Uh, why did you decide to do this? Uh, why did you take the YouTube route? Walk us through that process. Okay. Um, so I actually got the word to be able to do this. Uh, you know, I think it was. May of 2018. And honestly, it wasn't anything that I was ready to do at that point. And there was a process behind it. And I feel like the Lord was just depositing and depositing. And I see now the value of that waiting period. Um, And I ended up putting my first video out as almost like a test video out in October. And and then I didn't release anything else all the way until January. So I will say there was at least a seven month period of just receiving from the Lord and understanding what he wants me to do. And one thing that was so apparent from the very beginning is you're not meant to do this alone. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think I, I really needed to hear that because this wasn't going to be another mountain that I was going to look at and climb by myself. And once I got to the top, I was going to say, I made it. I did it. Look how many followers, look how many subscribers, look how many sales, look how many this, this, it, that wasn't the point. And I feel like the Lord had to be very specific with me about that. I'm a thriver. I am an overachiever. I want to pursue. That's just who I am. And so I had to be knocked down from that horse very early on. Um, So I'm really appreciative that I went about it the right way. And so right now what I'm doing is engaging a community of men. And honestly, there's a lot of women that have engaged with my content um, to be able to just expose some of the things that we're believing, some of the lies that we're believing, and then say, hey, what about this? What about when the Bible says this? What about this uh, topic that you won't even talk about with your pastor? You know, I had a man that emailed me and uh, he shared that he was going through some stuff and there was some pornography issues. And after talking to him, he ended up letting me know that he actually was already established in a church. And in fact, his father was the pastor. Hmm. So to me, that's saying that there's there's people out there who can't engage with even their fathers, right? Or their pastors about certain topics that I'm just open and willing to talk about. Let's talk about pornography. I'll tell you all about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll totally. tell you all about the, the stuff that that's going to do to, that's doing to our lives, um, doing to our marriage and how the Lord brought me out of it. Let's talk about the fact that you don't feel inadequate half of the day and that you have over 9,000 negative thoughts about you in an average day. You know, and, and I think that allowing, uh, the spirit just to speak through me and releasing these short videos or these podcast style videos on YouTube is a way of engaging uh, the this generation and everybody who's who's on YouTube um, with a, a little bit more of an entertaining way and and um, just feeding truth. 
Oh, man, I appreciate that. Hey, we're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsor. We're going to come right back. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with the mission to inspire men towards becoming their best version and changing their world. Every man in the arena matters. Our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men is a great way to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Because of the passion to see men get out of the bleachers and into the arena, Jim wants to offer some powerful resources to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of the field guide. It's Jim's 365-day bathroom book for men. It's the study of manly words in the Bible, illustrated with great stories. This is also a great resource for all our arena men. We'll also add you to our weekly equipping blast, including Jim's personal blog, prayer requests, and weekly boots-on-the-ground mission. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those anonymous voices in the bleachers pleading for you to enter the fight? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. So you said on your podcast that you expose the lies. So how do you do this? Do you do this through guests? Do you have topics that you select? So what's the method or the means by which you do it? I love it. Um, and it's, it's God, right? And this is why I say this It's because every single topic that I talk about, um, any guests that I bring on, it's usually because God had spoken to me about something or revealed something in my life, Mm. right? It's, it's those moments where, um, I just woke up and this is, this is what I love about my relationship with the spirit. I just woke up. And the first thing that comes to my mind is you have to, this was the other day. Um, in order for the next generation to survive, you have to swim against the current. Mm. That's what I heard. And I'm like, oh, perfect. And I'll get those, Jim. I'll get a lot of little words like that where I'm just being called to pursue. And um, I, I remember in Proverbs, it says, it is the glory of a king. Uh, I'm sorry, it is the glory of the Lord to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to seek it out. That's what I feel like. You know, I'm going to reign in life. I'm going to reign in these areas that the Lord is calling us to, and I'm going to do it by just seeking them out in these different areas. And so a lot of the things that I put out um, or the guests that I bring on and speak to them about certain things is because the Lord is calling me to that. He's depositing these things in me and I don't have the answers, right? I'm a lot of times posing questions, posing, uh, proposing my thoughts, and then asking other people for their thoughts. Just like when I had you on, Jim. Yeah, and, that, and that, that's how I go about it. So you're doing what a lot of us do, and you are, uh, I call it, scratching your own itch, right? That's it. You know, you're on a journey, you're understanding manhood, and you're, you know, I I bring these guys on our pot, and it's like scratching my itch. I've got questions, they've got answers, and what better way to get them but but by going through an expert. So uh, one of the, when I was researching our podcast, one of the words that came up was the word avatar. Uh, They asked, who is your avatar? In other words, who is your perfect match or your target for your podcast. And so we identified our target man as a a 25 to 40, I would say 55 ish guy who has kids in the home, who's married and who calls himself a Christian. So that's kind of our, our genre. It's pretty wide because that stress bubble uh, spans 25, 30 years, depending on when you start having kids, who is your avatar? Who's your target? It's a great question. Um, I will say that it has to be a 13, 14 year old all the way up until 35, 36. And, and I say that because there are 
times that I remember where if I just had the proper intervention, mm-hmm. if I would have watched one of my own videos, I might've thought a little different about my choices. Uh-huh. Um, and I think it, it's just so important to be able to engage these young men with truth. We're too scared to talk to our own children about the things that we should be leading them in. And, and there's this principle called the principle of first mention. And that's to, and that says that you will compare everything that you hear about a certain topic against the first time of the, the information that you gathered the first time you heard about it. Oh, so the whoa. first time that you hear about sex is from your 10 year old friend and his 14 year old cousin, right? You are going to compare everything else that you hear about it up to that first mention. So how does this compare to what my 10 year old friend and his 14 year old cousin told me? So uh, I, 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 I wouldn't be too scared of in, involving and including a 13 year old that's that's growing and maturing into into um, his in starting his masculine journey, and then spanning out to a man who's just before his his forties. He still has children in the home, just like you said, uh, but he's a little bit more established. Um, he knows and understands his identity. He knows that he ought to be reigning in a certain area in his life. That now he's been promoted to the to to being a king. Um, that's from one of John Eldridge's book that that he talks about some of the uh, different stages of a man. And um, he's just ready to, to feed. He's ready to give back as well. And then um, I think that if there's other men that kind of are outliers to that, that's perfectly fine. Everybody, you, you said this last time, there's you know 65-year-old men. I heard this in one of your podcasts. I'm sorry. There's 65-year-old men who are older, you know, in physically older, but in the spirit or in maturity, they're, they're not there yet. Yeah, for sure. For so. sure. So your name is Ray and your, your play on words for your podcast is rain. Yes, and sir. don't you have a son named rain? I do. I do that. I do. So all of it happened pretty much around the same time. Uh, felt like the Lord was really speaking to me about Romans five seventeen. Uh, my son had just been born, um, pretty much around that time. And I, and we just, we loved it. We loved the, the fact that we can be calling out to this identity of this young boy and calling him to reign. He will reign in life. And reigning in life has nothing to do with how much you can uh, accumulate around you um, or how much you can acquire you know, in a lifetime. It has everything to do with the spirit and what the, the richness that you feel inside of you when you have that rightful relationship. With the well, and it's really interesting because in, in Jewish tradition, the name was always attached to something. The, yes. It meant something, and so when you instead of naming your son Ray and going with Rain, you're yes. you're naming him prophetically. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. So so yes, Rain sir. in life is that podcast is the goal of that podcast to help men live in victory. Is the title part of your vision for that podcast? Yes, yes, I think that. Um, and you kind of said this as you were describing the podcast, um, the whole purpose of it is engaging every man where he is right now. Some men are a little bit better off and some men are way behind or they might feel like they're way behind. Um, engaging them exactly where they are and then empowering them with truth. So it's just anybody who wants to come in and just hear the truth, hear the fact that the, the Bible says a lot of the things that, that uh, society is trying to skew and to turn and to twist and then encourage them on their way because everybody's on this walk everybody's on this road on their own journey with the lord and so just giving them that encouragement being a barnabas in people's lives and so i i found the word the name reign in life to be very fitting um 
because, you know, it, it's, I see the fact that we, here, I'll, I'll give it to you this way, Jim. When you look at the, the royal family, you never find somebody who's confused about where they come from, who they are, whose they are, right? And my, my wife is fascinated with the royal family. You never find somebody like, let's say in the, in the Kennedy family, they really were established about who they were and what their mission was, what they were going to do in society. The thing is, is that when we don't have a proper uh, awareness of who we are and whose we are, we start to look elsewhere. We start to look to other places to see, um, you know, what, what defines me? What is a man? And, and what is, what is uh, my purpose in life? Instead of looking at the fact that we are called in Romans 8, heirs with Christ and, and children of God. So I, I can say I am the child of, I am a child of the Holy Father, the, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Well, it's interesting in Romans 8, we're called children, heirs, and conquerors. Yes. And speaking of conquerors, you know, you talked about royalty, knowing who they are. If you go back in the New Testament and you look when a conquering king would come in and take over a, a country, one of the first things he did was he would kill every remaining heir mm. because that remaining heir knew who they were. Yes. And so they had yes. to be killed, even if they were two years old or one, because they these kings knew that that, that kid, that heir, could come back with uh, their claim to the throne. And so I think that's so good, man that we need to understand who we are and you said whose we are. we are. So, okay, so you're you're doing this podcast. Uh it seems like all of us podcast guys want to write a book at some point. So, you're in the middle of a stress bubble, you got a lot going on, but if you were ever to write a book, what would it be called? And it can't be called you can't use the word rain in the title. <laughs> you can't use the word rain, but you're yes. going to write a book. Because I know what you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so I would say what the things your father should have told you. Oh, that's good. Why the things your father should have told you? You know, I, I honestly believe that every single man um, is given everything that they need inside of them by, by the, the Lord and in a rightful relationship with the spirit to be able to father his sons, his daughters. Mm. And the fact that not every man steps up to that challenge and, and follows that, uh, that mountain, right? The path up the, up the mountain, like you had described in, in your definition of, mm -hmm. of a man and of manhood. Um, it really gives us a, a large population of men who are lacking in that, in that uh, awareness of the things that's already inside of them, that are innate to them and that the Lord wants to use and the way that the spirit wants to speak through them. And then obviously we can look at, the population in jail and look how many men there yeah. are come from fatherless homes. And so I would say the things that your father should have told you, because many of us, too many of us can relate to the fact that we were exposed to things in inappropriate ways or, or in times that weren't right. Uh, we were fed lies um, and we needed a father in certain times of our lives. And so now we can, gather that information from men like you, men with, with wisdom or men who are stepping up to the plate and writing books and, and giving us a way, giving us the things that are inside of their heart and that the spirit is speaking through them. 
So what are some things, Ray, that you tell your kids that your dad never told you? Hmm. What I told you before, I tell my, I grab my son, I grab my daughter, yeah. my little, he's just starting to Google Gaga, but I look at them in the eyes and I have to be purposeful about it. And I tell them, I am so proud of you. And honestly, I speak Spanish to my children. So yo estoy muy orgulloso de ti, mi hijo. And he looks at me and he's like, you're proud of me? He only speaks English back to me. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I think that's one of the most important things. Uh, and I still have uh, my mentor. Every single time he call, I call him and we talk, you know, I know it's coming, you know, so it's kind of one of those things where it's, if you know somebody's going to say something, does it really mean anything? But still, every single time, Jim, when he tells me, Ray, I'm so proud of you. You are a great man and you are hitting it out of the ballpark. He pretty much uses those same three sentences every time. And I'm, I'm hungry for it. Sometimes I call yeah. him because I need to hear it. Yeah. Right. We have too much in life telling us the opposite. Oh, absolutely. You know? So, so what do you, what do you I love this? I love the fact that you speak Spanish to your kids. I love the, I mean, we need to keep the languages going in our country. I don't know what's going on. Got my, my family spoke Italian and my grandma's my, and Portuguese, my grandpa's and, and it just didn't pe- cut, carry down to me. And that's very disappointing. Right. Um, what do you tell your daughter that you don't tell your son? And we you know, what are the things, are there certain things you're telling her that you're not telling him? I'll say not quite yet, but I am absolutely aware of certain things that, uh-huh. I, that are directed only towards her. And I say not quite yet because she's only two um, and she's oh. just starting to, to gather, um, you know, connecting sentences and, and things that I'm saying to her. But this comes a lot from uh, John Eldridge's and, and Stacey Eldridge's mission of just, you know, showing and exposing this thing that men are asking the question of, do I have what it takes? And women are asking a question of, am I captivating? Yeah. Right. So when my daughter comes in the room and she's wanting to show me something, I have to throw my phone across the room. I have to pay attention, give her that eye contact that they need. Women need eye contact and tell her, wow, you are so pretty. That is awesome you're doing so good, you know, and and just showing her right by throwing my phone. And sometimes I really have done this. I throw my my phone across the room and onto my couch just to show her, like, you have my attention. You are captivating. I'm giving you all my attention. And, you know, sometimes it's just her saying, dad, look at me, look at me. And she's just going to jump around in a circle, but dang it. It's a small price to pay to show a little girl that man, she is worth it. Well, Gordon Dalby in his book, healing the masculine soul, speaks about that and says it's not a woman's job to teach the daughters about their her beauty it's the man they find their identity and their beauty and how their dad affirms that which is where we get the phrase daddy issues right yes when a woman does not when a woman has daddy issues she's seeking love in places where she wouldn't have sought it if she had a man uh, in her life speaking that she was beautiful, that she was captivating, that she was enough. And so, man, I really appreciate that. So, so you have a mentor, uh, you're doing this podcast. Uh, I am assuming that you're targeting men. It doesn't say men in the podcast, but I'm assuming you're targeting men. So yes, are you, uh, are you involved in an accountability group or how do you see an accountability group as different, uh, than an intimate group of men who do life together? Do you, does that make mm-hmm. sense? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that uh, I've heard the word accountability thrown around in the wrong in the wrong way, and that's simply because we are looking for somebody to just tell us when we're gonna when we're screwing up or to keep us on this straight and narrow road from screwing up, 
right? So I use the word screwing up twice in those two sentences. Yeah. And that's to say that we have this idea that we need somebody to keep us from screwing up. So if I'm always walking around with this awareness of I might screw up, I might screw up. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely. I'm going to damn screw up. You're right? focused on it. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same thing of just having a bigger yes than you have a no. Sometimes we yell no in, in an area. We yell it and we roar it when we should just be saying yes to the Lord. Yes, mm. the things that he's given to us. And so, uh, and just to add there, I looked up uh, this t-shirt that says, not today, Satan. And I'm sure you've seen it before, right? No, never have. No? Oh, it's a very common t-shirt. It's a, maybe it's a millennial. Is it thing. really? It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You look it up. It says, it's a t-shirt. It says, not today, Satan. And it's going to be, you know, a whole bunch of different fonts and everything. And I, Gosh, could not I don't, find I don't like that one. It's too passive. I, I know. I know. So listen to this. I couldn't find one shirt, Jim, one shirt. You better not steal my idea that says today, God, right? Or, or like, how about not, this one? Or how about kick Satan in the face? Yeah, I like that exactly. throat, throat punch. A little bit more active. Throat right, punch, right. Satan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's so good, man. Yeah, we we focus sometimes so much on that. So, so you're, you're the guys you hang out with. If you're not focused on the no, you're focused on the yes. What does that look like? That looks like men using uh, taking that word accountability and breaking it up in this way. So when there's a when there's a military commander, he comes up with brass on his shoulders and he's taking control of a unit. The first thing he does. First thing he does, Jim, is he takes accountability of everything he's taken command of. Ah. So he goes around and does an inspection of all of his abilities, right? No commander will ever go into battle without knowing what he what resources and what he has in his corner, right? So bringing it back to our relationship with other men, we need men to look at us, look at us honestly, and account for our abilities. We need men that are going to inventory what we are, who we are, whose we are, and know our identity, know our past. Hey, dude, you've already walked through this. You've already had victory in this. And I don't even know why the enemy's trying to come in and, and disturb you in this way, but let me pray with you. You know, not just saying, you know, hey, uh, you're going to have to just lock away your computer for the next, you know, 30 days and, and do this and do that. No, man, you just need somebody to tell you the truth. Like, dude, you're not bound to a spirit of slavery. You know, you are actually called to be an heir, man. Like you have freedom. You've been given a spirit of freedom. And the fact that we have men, that we should have men uh, in our lives telling us, this is your history, reminding us, this is your testimony. Because we have sometimes days and months and seasons where we just being, we're clouded, you know. Um, that is what it looks like to have uh proper accountability and have intimacy with men who know your story, who know you deeply, who care for you deeply and will call out uh, either the bull crap in your life or call out the goodness. Well, that's the key calling out the goodness. Cause when you said account ability, I, yes. that was an aha moment for me. I thought I've never looked at it that way. And it's, it's me looking at you saying, I see greatness. I see yes. this in you that I don't have and it's calling it out. And yes. I think that's what guys that have the balls to be intimate with their buddies and to be accountable to them and call it out of them. They call the greatness out of them, which yes. really is why we need strong women, because there's no other person on the planet who calls the greatness out of a man like a woman, like his yes. woman. And so yeah. uh, I like that, man, to call, to, to, to take stock. And that's what Nehemiah did, right, in the Bible. He goes back to Jerusalem. What does he do? He just rides the walls. 
and he yes. watches yes. what's going on and he see takes stock of what the city needs and who he has right. as a resource. And right. so when I have a relationship with one of my brothers, I want to know what resources does he offer me and what as a friend can I help him tap into inside of himself as a resource or a gift that God has given him and yes. keep him accountable for that. That's correct. And so and we want to do this, um, Jim, with, with other men and build these relationships virtually exactly like you're doing in, in meninthearena.org. Uh, just being able to gather men in smaller groups, intimate groups where you are communicating uh, on a weekly basis, either through a video, uh, live video type of, of men's group, um, always virtual and, and just kind of being able to meet every man's needs, right? Everybody has different schedules, different time zones. And then we also, do, I even have a group of men uh, that are just connected with Rain and Life that I have put into a group chat, you know, and I post questions and, and they post questions and we just keep updated with each other. We send videos to each other and just stay up to date, you know, and just being able to have, I, I, so we're connected. Let's see that one, I call it Outpost One. Um, that group of men, I think there's six men um, ranging from 19 to 30, no, 40 something. And we're all just encouraging each other calling each other out, praying for each other, um, and just practicing exactly that, accounting for each other's abilities. Man, that's so good. Hey, so what is your YouTube channel address? How do they get a hold of your podcast? Uh, you go on YouTube, you can just search Rain in Life, and I should be the first one that pops up. If not, Rain in Life, uh, I'm sorry, youtube.com forward slash Rain, R-E-I-G-N, in life. And guys, that's R-E-G-N for all of you Oregonians who only know how to spell it R-A-I-N because that's all we ever see. So <laughs> that's not a stupid joke, guys. That's a rain joke. Never stops raining in Oregon. Hey Ray, hey, Ray, thanks so much for coming on the show, bro. Really appreciate you and your passion and uh, your wisdom. And I just really uh, I look forward to great things from you, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you, Jim. And thank you for honoring me and giving me this opportunity to be able to, to come on and, and speak. Much appreciated. Well, we are very proud of what you're doing and uh, just keep fighting the fight, brother. Hey, guys, what's yeah. next? Let's get our boots on the ground. We're talking to Marine here. We don't just talk with Marines. We do with Marines. And so let's get our boots on the ground. And here's here's something that I think we need to do, guys. We're, we're right in fall right now. This podcast will be released probably the end of October. Guys, who are you engaged in? Who are you accountable to? If you're not involved in a group, we want to invite you to hit me up. We have uh, several virtual teams launching with men from all around the country. If you don't have a group, please let me know. You have to get into a group, guys. We want 100% of our listeners involved in some kind of group where guys can take account of your life and call out your abilities. Account ability. So guys, make sure you do that. Hit us up at men, info at meninarena.org. We will definitely get you rolling on that. And guys, uh, well, hey, make sure uh, that you check out our website and go get our electronic version of my bathroom book for men, the field guide. And while you're doing that, we'll add you to our equipping blast for men that goes out to men all over the world. And uh, guys, we really uh, want to partner with you. We want to collaborate with you. And did you know that we collaborate with hundreds and hundreds of men and women around the world who are our supporters, our financial champions. And because of that, we're able to offer our resources free to active military men in underdeveloped nations and missionaries. And we do that because of a great group of financial champions like you. You can find out how to partner with our ministry through menonarena.org. Until next time.
Feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. Reign in life. And be a man. Men in the arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.